Hi! We just launched a new Discord server for Terror Tracks. Join us now at terrortracks.com slash discord. Hope to see you there soon. Enjoy the show. Why do you seem so scared? All I wanted to do was play with you. Welcome to Terror Tracks. Hosted by best-selling horror author Jack Pierce. We post new episodes every Friday night at 9 p.m. EST. Go to terrortracks.com slash shop to support the show. If you enjoy this episode, please hit the like button and share it on social media. Now here's your host, Jack Pierce. All right, this is an episode that's going to be kind of a mismatch, I guess is what you would call it, of quite a few different topics because I just have a lot on my mind right now that I just kind of want to process and go through and try to, you know, make a lesson out of it or just make an interesting podcast. It doesn't have to be a lesson every week, does it? So basically, I've always had the misconception that there are these people who get a lot more viewers and, you know, sales on their books and stuff like that than I do. You know, there are people much more famous than me that are my peers or people that I work with in the past that, you know, have surpassed me by far for, you know, one reason or another. I don't really have that much of a social media presence. And it started bugging me that, you know, I'm a best-selling author. I have this podcast, which is doing relatively well, but I barely have anyone following me on Twitter. And I have a decent little, you know, pocket on Minds. And that's really where most people, you know, find the episodes from is Minds. But I always felt like it made me kind of feel sort of imposterish in a way. Because the thing was, I basically did not use social media for the most part for... Quite a few years after I started becoming a writer and got serious about it because I thought that social media, which it is, is a toxic, poisonous place that would just, you know, ruin my creativity, ruin my productivity, and I was dealing with a lot of stress in real life, so I'd never focused on building social media, and as far as I remember, we really never put links to Twitter in the books either. So there was really no way to build the Twitter anyway. Also, I had so many different rebrands and I've had, you know, Jack Pierce books, Johnny Fox Rocks, all these other different names and, you know, brands and everything. So really, you know, I never had a Twitter account that lasted like 10 years that had a slow build of following. So, but that made me feel like I was sort of imposterish. It's like, you know, I'm a best-selling author. I should have a huge fan base on Twitter and blah, blah, blah. But who cares? I mean, who really cares at this point? This is going to be, I guess the main theme of this episode will be... Who gives a... Because this podcast is going to be explicit from now on. I'm going to try to keep it to a minimum. But I basically, as a quick announcement, I had to put everything on explicit with Apple. And the reason I didn't swear at all was mainly because of Apple. Because Apple has this thing that if you're explicit, they will ban you in certain countries or whatever. But it turned out that I don't know what Apple thinks is explicit to begin with. So I don't care anymore. I will censor it if I feel the need, though, uh, just to clean it up a bit, because I still want it to be safe to listen to everywhere, so don't worry about that. I'm going to try to keep it clean. But the thing is, I found out that a guy who most people think is some type of famous, successful guy that has a bunch of money and is, you know, loaded and, you know, everybody loves him or hates him or whatever, the guy that I've, you know, mentioned before, the guy called Alfred in a previous episode, 
it turns out he's not making really much more than a McDonald's worker. You know, he has this big audience and he, you know, draws maybe a thousand people to a show, but he's making, you know, maybe what, 30 or 40 grand a year, which is nothing. I mean, you know, especially he lives in the city, so it's really nothing because he lives in Richmond. And I started thinking about that because then there was another group of people that, you know, it's a guy that I know that has a co-host and everything, and they run a show out of Florida, which there's, you know, hot shots with the 2,000 viewers a stream or whatever. But the thing is, neither one of them make that much either. You know, when you think about it, maybe, you know, split between them, they're making about, like I did with my calculations, about 30 grand a year each. Which is nothing to scoff at for monetizing your own creation. I'm not saying, you know, it's a small amount of money because 30 grand is a lot. The thing is, though, it's not what I was expecting and it's not what they portray themselves as. These people portray themselves as, you know, really big, hot rock stars that everybody loves them and they're just, you know, so important and, you know, they got this big audience and I made X amount of dollars last week and all of this stuff, right? But it's like, really? I mean, I know plenty of people that make 60 grand a year as a secretary. You know, I had an ex, not the bad one, as I call her, not Kay. It was the one before Kay. And she was living in Los Angeles making $60,000 a year, which is basically nothing out there, but still 60 grand is 60 grand. And she was a secretary at some type of company. I think it was a construction company. I don't know if she still works there. I haven't talked to her in a couple years. But was she a rock star? Did she act like she was somebody important? No. Did anyone at Dell or Microsoft, really, where I was working for a couple of years, who were making 50000 60000 and some of them, you know, all the way up to eighty to 100000 a year, were they acting like rock stars, like they were so important and they were just, you know, they were big shots and everybody looked up to them? No. These people are legends in their own mind. Just, just simple as that. They are legends in their own mind. These are people who are a lot like me because I've been a nobody my entire life. And even as a best-selling author, I really still think that because of my lack of social media success, my lack of you know consistent sales where I have the big boost during Halloween and then after that it's just kind of you know it dies off which by the way we signed a deal with Amazon again I know Amazon's big evil but honestly I'm going to be straight with you because I want to be honest with you and I've had a few people that listen to the show tell me that they loved how I forgot what the word the guy used was but it was sort of like you know very direct and honest with you when I was going wide to all these other sites, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, all of them. And I let it run for about six months. So I had no benefits of Amazon's, you know, Kindle direct publishing stuff. You know, I didn't have, you know, access to Kindle Unlimited or the advertising stuff or any of that. So basically I was, you know, not exclusive to Amazon. I sold zero books anywhere outside of Amazon. Flat zero. Not a single copy of any of my books sold anything outside of Amazon. So after seeing this number, I pretty much just, you know, pulled out of all of those and decided to sign the contract to Amazon again, because at least they give me and you, this is a small announcement in the middle of this, the ability to read my books for free via Kindle Unlimited, which does not give me the same amount as if you bought them outright, but 
it does give me that audience of people that sort of want like a Netflix for books sort of thing. So it does give me that audience and exposure, which does help a lot because it you know gives people the ability to just read it or try it out and maybe they want to buy a paperback or something. But it's a lot better off just signing the exclusive deal and, you know, shaking hands with the devil because you know what, there's really no alternative that's going to give you that amount of money or, you know, any amount of money. Cause like I said, I went wide for six months and not a single copy of any of the books sold anywhere else. Period. I'm not saying that going wide is a bad thing. If you really want to do that, go do it. But for me, it brought me nothing, brought me nothing at all. There was no benefit to going wide whatsoever with any of these other companies. And that's fine. The ex experiment was successful in the fact that it showed me that there really is no reason to try to expand. You know, unless there was some type of book deal to get you inside of Walmart, which I doubt would make you much money either. So, all these people, they walk around acting like they're big shots and they have these big, you know, stories and they're all, you know, going on these road trips. You know, they're doing one in Vegas right now, which is just going to be a disaster. And the act like they're so important and, you know, they're all, you know, big and tough and mean and, you know, we're so cool, man. You know, all of you people are losers and I have a bigger audience than you. And, you know, I'm, you know, the king of Turd Mountain and all this stuff. And you just see this and it kind of makes you feel a little bit insecure about yourself when you see someone, you know, they have a thousand subs or, you know, a thousand followers or whatever. You know, that watched their show, I mean, not, you know, actually just a regular thousand subs, but you just watch this and you start comparing yourself. You're like, you know, I'm a best selling author. Why don't I have this type of following? However, this is what I've noticed with, let's just say Alfred again, because I don't want to say his real name on here because he might try to, you know, say that I'm harassing him or something. With Alfred, you know, person A, you know, the guy from Richmond that is, you know, the fat alcoholic. He only makes $25,000 a year. Plus what he gets in donations on the show, which is probably dwindling as we speak. Nowhere near what he used to. So I think his average is maybe twenty-five to forty thousand dollars a year living in Richmond. And he has one kid that he's not gonna end up having to pay child support for, and another one that he's gonna probably end up having aborted or end up paying child support for that one too. And he's doing all this extravagant stuff, which is wonderful, but at the same time, I started thinking, let's say that Alfred or Barbie or all these other sort of characters I've brought up to you, these are real people. Let's say that I did achieve that level of success, or at least I was getting that type of money in that same genre, because I used to be in that genre of, you know, sort of like the anti-SJW, the whatever you want to call it, the news political reaction tuber sort of thing where you just make fun of SJW videos or just, you know, lol cows in general. And I started thinking, I was like, you know what, when I was doing that and I had a decent sized audience, nothing like they did, but it brought me such an incredible amount of stress and frustration and in real life damage and damage to my health from the alcohol and other things that I was abusing to sort of cope with the fact that, you know, I had this sort of life going on, like, you know, Alfred and Barbie have right now, that I was miserable and I hated my life and I wasn't making anything off of it. And when you really think about it, is it really worth being unemployable, hated, you know, doxxed, harassed in real life, having everyone make fun of you and your family and having your family dragged through the mud and having all of this horrible stuff happen to you for $50,000 a year just so you can sit on your lazy butt at home and do nothing but, you know, basically watch videos and react to them. I don't think it's worth it because honestly, all of these people have flushed their lives down the toilet. And, you know, that's 
that, that's on them that is their fault they're the ones that are going to have to sleep with that and have to deal with that you know they've really just you know they've ruined themselves and that's on them so it's not worth it to me at least it's not worth it to flush my life down the toilet and basically make it where once my audience gets sick of me that i have no future outside of that unless i start my own company i guess but even then if you ever google my name not my name but their names uh it'll just make it where nobody will want to do business with them because of their past you know what i mean it's sort of like you know when you read all these articles about you know so such and such is an alt-right figure this person's a nazi this person's this that or the other it's sort of like you know no one's going to want to do business with you you know and if you're blacklisted from the banks no one's going to want to do business with you there either the banks won't work with you the payment processors have banned these people you know they're you know well known to be you know bad people that have done bad things to other people you know a lot of them have criminal records i mean you know and some of that came from their own shows where they've done stupid things on the show and got arrested for it it's not worth it to ruin your life over trying to chase the dollar when trying to be an influencer as they call them and i know the show is usually about you know sort of writing and everything but this is the same sort of way because you know if you want to relate this to writing i don't think you should hot shot trying to jump on the zeitgeist and write some political book that could possibly get you in trouble like let's say that you have a nice job but you happen to have pretty far right views like whatever the views may be you don't like jewish people you you know you have problems with black people or something like that you probably want to keep that to yourself i wouldn't recommend going out there and you know yelling about your hatred of a certain race or a certain type of people i really don't think that that's going to help you at all especially in book form because you know amazon would probably take it off anyway but you gotta realize once you put something out on the internet and this is gonna be a pretty neat reference um because chris chan had that one thing where he yelled about you know i want everything about my house off the internet well once you upload it up there you can't unload it now the thing is a lot of stuff on the internet that even if it was you know in front of thousands of people it just happens to disappear some people delete this stuff and people didn't think to back it up it happens but you don't know if someone backed it up or not is the thing so you have to watch what you do i want you to really take home from this particular show that well this particular episode i mean is that you really should think about your future when you're in this sort of business any type of creative endeavor i want you to think about the future think that if i try to hot shot and try to do something that's on the zeitgeist that is politically incorrect in some way trying to write like this book of you know let's just say how antifa are a terrorist or how black lives matter or this that or the other thing or something like that trying to grab for a gold medal i really think that that's probably a bad idea not because you're wrong or that we're even getting political on the show but you know that the system or the people that run these stores that you're trying to sell from support these causes amazon walmart all these other places that sell books they support these causes that you may not be a fan of and these stores will basically ban you and ruin your author career by trying to jump on the bandwagon i thought about writing a non-fiction book about how i thought that high school and college and all of these places were scams because how they number one brainwash you and number two don't get you prepared for the real world they do not give you what you need to be 
a productive, successful citizen in this world. And I felt like that would be a little too controversial because there's so much money in it, you know, with the schools and all of that. And I thought the topic might be a little boring and I'd probably get a little too politically hyped up and probably get banned for it. But I've always been interested in making a series or writing a book or having more episodes sort of like the public school as child abuse episode I did. So, unfortunately, my throat is getting kind of sore, and I've kind of gotten my point across that I want to make for this little ramble on. I hope you enjoyed it. I will go ahead and let you get on with the next episode of Ghost Rider, and I will see you in a moment. Ten. The lights went out, and red lights came rushing past my window. The light was blinding, and I peeked out through the blinds and down the street. A bright yellow glow came from down the road. I ran down the stairs and out the front door to see what was going on. Down the street, right where Derek lived, was a massive house fire. The entire house was engulfed in flames, and a transformer from the light pole sat on the ground, shooting sparks everywhere. I ran down the street in my pajama pants, a tank top, and my bedroom slippers. People gathered around the outside of the house, screaming and crying in pure terror. Jeremy came up to the scene a few seconds later on his bike and jumped off, running over to me. What happened? Jeremy asked. I have no idea. Just out of nowhere, something went boom. The firefighters stood outside of the house, spraying it down with their hoses while the cops did crowd control. All right, folks, step back. This place isn't safe. We think it was a gas leak, but we can't be sure until the fire's out. Please, stand back. We walked back about twenty feet and watched as the house crumbled under the fire. I shook my head in disbelief, unable to process the fact that I may have caused this. It felt impossible. But I didn't want this. I didn't want to kill him. I wanted him to stop hurting people. But in the process of doing that, I hurt him. Guilt washed over me and I stumbled backward sitting down on the pavement, shaking my head. Hey, man, are you all right? Jeremy asked. Yeah, I just, uh, I said. Look, man, something weird is going on here. I don't know what, but something is wrong with this town. I know. I have a feeling I know what it is. Really? Yeah. Come with me, I'll show you. We turned and walked back toward my house. Another explosion went off behind us, and Derek's mother screamed bloody murder. I felt terrible, but not that bad. I mean, honestly, what did I have to feel bad for? I didn't know if he was alive or dead yet. We arrived back in my room, and I held out a hand, telling Jeremy to sit down. I sat on the edge of my bed and grabbed the typewriter. Alright, this typewriter does things. What? Just watch. I typed, I wish I had a new Fender Strat. There. Now watch, I said. Jeremy sat there, staring at the typewriter, and then nothing. Absolutely nothing happened. No glow, no smell, nothing happened at all. Wait, it's working on it, I said. Jeremy sighed. Dude, seriously, I think you need to find some help. My mom knows a good shrink on the other side of town. No, I'm serious. 
I wrote about Derek earlier, and that fire started out there. Look, I said, handing the page to him. Uh, there's nothing on here, he said. What? I grabbed the paper and looked at it. It was completely blank, not a single imprint on the page. What happened? Yeah, I gotta go. Talk to you later, man, Jeremy said, getting up to leave. No, wait, I swear it works. Yeah, sure, buddy. Talk to you later. I sat there on the edge of my bed, speechless. The paper had gone from having words I'd written to blank, back to having words on it again. The smell had started filling my room once again, like a gas chamber. This thing was messing with me. I just knew it. I grabbed it and typed. I wished the typewriter was destroyed. The thing did its usual glow, but instead of the text glowing too, it began typing on its own. I read it as it typed out its response. That's not nice, Zack. I'm here to help you. I don't want your help anymore. But I can give you anything you desire. Are you not pleased? I typed it again. No, I want things to go back to normal. I want my friend back. In due time, it said. Welcome back, everyone, to this week's episode review of Are You Afraid of the Dark? The Tale of the 13th Floor. This one is probably one of my favorites. And honestly, I kind of don't want to watch it again because I have such fond memories of this episode that I don't want to ruin it like I do with the Midnight Madness. But I'm going to tell you, this one I know for a fact did live up to the hype this is one of those is up there with the captured souls and i'm not going to spoil the ending because the ending is really what makes this episode so wonderful and i haven't actually had any books that were inspired by this particular episode somehow but seriously i'm just gonna do a play-by-play -play, and at some point i'm just gonna stop and we're just gonna actually review the thing entirely because i really don't want you to skip this episode and think well you know oh, i've heard the whole thing and i can just skip this particular one and we can move on to the next no i want you to really sit down and experience this particular episode because it is so good it is so well made it is just wonderful so let's go into it right now so the tale of the 13th floor is actually about a brother and a sister who are playing street hockey on the abandoned 13th floor of their apartment complex one day the elevator that goes up there goes down for maintenance and they're sent an invitation to check out a toy factory that's going to be set up on said 13th floor and they end up going up there a few days later and they play a bunch of games on this incredibly beautiful colorful set it is so just gorgeous to look at it is peak 90s really and it just blows me away just looking at it again to be honest just how well put together the set is it's really not cheap at all it almost gives me like a willy wonka kind of vibe because i really always loved the camera work and the way that the stuff at the factory looked a lot more than the actual story or the characters it was just sort of like the trippy nature of willy wonka is what i'm getting from this episode not as heavy as the movie of course but that same sort of vibe and that's what really grabs me with this episode is the vibe of the entire thing so there are two characters up there that are administrating 
these games. One's named Olga, and she's kind of hot, but she looks kind of like Flo. Imagine if Flo from Progressive had a really hot sister. That's what Olga looks like. And then the other guy, I can't remember his name, but he looks like Flash Gordon or Ace Frehley without the makeup. It's kind of weird looking. And they also have this elevator guy that looks like Lurch from the Adams Family. Is it Adams Family or the Monsters? I think it's Adams Family. But yeah, it's this real tall guy that kind of just looks like Lurch and he doesn't really do much besides stand at the elevator and, you know, say going down over and over. That's all he really does the entire episode. But the two of them play some games and the games are meant to test various skills. And it ends up with one of the best shots to ever be on Are You Afraid of the Dark. There is this one particular camera shot and I could probably screenshot it for you and put it on Twitter or something so you know exactly which one I'm talking about. But you'll know what I'm talking about when you see it. It is a wonderful shot that has given me nightmares when I was a kid. This shot was so scary that I'd say it's actually above the Michael Myers at the top of the stairs case scene. Basically what happened was the brother keeps getting sicker and weaker as they turn this wheel thing that has like their toy logo on. I think it was like TF, like Toy Factory or something. And he gets really sick and they put the girl on this roller coaster ride looking thing. It's sort of like they put her in like this chair and they put the bar down and all of that. And they teach her that she can use telekinesis by moving like this ball that's across the room. And after she does that, they tell her that, you know, they're going on a little trip and the seat starts going up really slowly. And like, there's like this weird hatch that opens above her. And you see all these, what look like putties from Power Rangers that are waving up to her like, come with us, come with us. And then she escapes the seat through doing her telekinesis stuff and shenanigans ensue and they escape. And her brother finally gets away from the alien monsters that dress like humans. I'm not going to spoil what happens after this, but it does have an amazing Twilight Zone callback that I am a huge fan of the Twilight Zone. I am probably the biggest fan of Rod Serling's original Twilight Zone from the 60s that you will ever meet. I love it. I love Alfred Hitchcock Presents. I love all of those anthology shows back then. It's just, it's such a wonderful callback. And I absolutely adore it. And I'm not going to spoil it because I want you to see this episode because there's a lot of really thrilling moments during the escape. It's not like your usual, you know... If you move, I'll break this glass and, you know, she gets away from the Sandman like in the Tale of the Final Wish, I think is what it was called. This scene actually goes on for a while with the escape and they really have a lot of tension, a lot of gags. It is very, very good. This is what I'm talking about when I talk about Are You Afraid of the Dark being wonderful and that they have some stuff that really holds the test of time. So for the final rating, I'm going to give this one a solid, and I know this is probably the first in Terror Tracks history, a solid 10 out of 10. This episode is so beautiful. It is so well shot. It is just perfectly acted. The plot is wonderful. The editing is wonderful. I love every second of this episode. It really does pass to capture souls for me. And I just, I can't find anything wrong with this episode. It is just perfectly done. And there's only maybe a few other episodes that get to this level for me, at least in my memory, at least, which would probably be, I guess, the phone police and also the tale of station 109.1 which I may eventually do a book like 109.1 because I love that concept. We'll eventually get to that. I don't know what season it's on, but I'm excited for that. But this one, top to bottom, 
masterpiece absolutely perfect this is up there with you know the absolute greats of anthology tv you know when you're looking at stuff like the twilight zone with uh episodes like the monsters on maple street or the lonely or a lot of their other episodes this episode really is a twilight zone episode really you know with a lot of color and a lot of you know beautiful imagery i just can't get over how pretty this episode is you have to see it you really have to see it but there's one thing that's a bit of a plot hole but i can't say what it is because it would spoil the ending so i'm gonna let it slide though because it's very very minute but basically i just to give you sort of context without actually spoiling it i wish that olga would have been a little bit more transparent instead of just sort of lunging at the little girl with this whole games thing you know i'm not saying that they should have told them you know up front what was going on but i think they could have you know been like look 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 it was a big misunderstanding you know whatever you know and they just explain what's going on but they never really do until it's too late basically so i feel like they kind of wrote themselves into a corner where they couldn't you know go without that really big hole of you know why are y'all doing this in this particular fashion besides you know just being beautiful or whatever but yeah i love it i have no complaints about it you have to see this episode absolute 10 out of 10 thank you for listening all my books are now on kindle unlimited and you can sign up for that for i believe five maybe ten dollars a month i don't know it's basically the netflix for books on amazon it would help me a lot if you did read my books on there or you can just buy them outright you can see all of the details for that at terratrex.com slash shop we also have most of the books in audible you can get those free for you know a credit or if you sign up for audible you can get condemned 100 free right now uncensored because the version you heard on here was censored but the one that you'll get on audible is 100 uncensored so if you want the uncut version of condemned with all the swearing and everything else in there you can get that on terratracks.com slash shop by signing up for audible or just going to audible and looking up condemned next week we're going to be talking about another favorite of mine at least from memory even though i barely remember it but i know that the concept kind of was inspiration for ghostwriter actually it's called the tale of the dream machine it's about a kid that gets a typewriter that can do things to people's dreams it's weird but you know it's was sort of the inspiration for ghost rider in a way not that i ripped it off or it has anything remotely like ghost rider besides a typewriter but i just like that idea of like a typewriter that could you know grant wishes or make bad things happen it's just you know like a cursed item sort of story i always liked ghost rider because of that even though i think it was one of my lesser books really um we're getting near the end of ghost rider though it's gonna have another four maybe three or four chapters left i don't know but if i do in a future podcast mess up and say you know on to ghost rider after it's over i'm sorry that's something i'm trying to be conscious of because i do do these you know a lot more in bulk than anything really you know i kind of record them and put them out really far in the future so just keep that in mind and i hope that you enjoyed this episode and i will see you next week 9 p.m est on friday night take care everyone good night Thanks for listening. If you would like to follow us on social media, please go to terratracks.com slash follow.
Join our brand new Discord server at terrortracks.com slash discord and make sure to check out our Wattpad, where you can find all of Jack's books for free along with the exclusives you can't find anywhere else. Last but not least, please share this episode on social media if you enjoyed it and leave a rating if you can. Thanks. See you next week.